right, you know what that sound means. I am Dennis Mitch Maley, and this is the Bradenton Times Podcast. I am joined, as usual, by our rock star investigative reporter, Don Kitterman, and a very special guest today, publisher and 22-year Manatee County Commissioner, Joe McClash. Welcome. Thanks, right. Dennis. Oh. Glad to be here. <clears throat> so a uh, couple of big things that we're going to have to get through. One was yesterday's, uh, we're, again, we're recording on Wednesday. So Tuesday's county commission meeting in which we had a very notable update on the county administrator search. So we're going to get to that. But the first thing I wanted you to respond to, Joe, or get your reaction on is this wetland policy. You know, we... we what wetland policy? <laughs> the one we used let's, to have. Let's get rid of it because it doesn't really mean anything to the environment and the clean water. We could just not have a, our own policy. So... I guess what I'd, I mean, we can rant and rave about it all we want, but as somebody who's crafted public policy, who, and, you know, you were deeply involved in, you know, express a genuine interest, I should say, in these sort of issues on, on creating these balances between sustainably developing for new houses, but respecting the environmental resources, Correct. as well as the quality of life of existing re residents. That's the part that I think I get most frustrated about is this sort of new mentality that says, well, you've lived here forever and you've made your home here and you've done it based on all these rules and plans and, you know, all these things that you were able to look and say, what is this community going to look like in the future? Uh, but a whole bunch of other people want to move here. So you've got to have your quality of life, you know, reduced <laughs> so yeah. that we can build an, a house, I guess, for everybody yeah. that wants to come. I mean, how many people can say their quality of life is better today than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago? I, I don't think we could say that anymore. Our water quality really is at the poorest condition around our bays when we were making strides on our seagrasses increasing. Now they've decreased quite a bit in the past few years. And a lot of it has to do with water quality. And water quality has a lot to do with buffers. And the buffers have a lot to do with the overdevelopment. And so... The buffer situation that we had in Manatee County, so that people understand, we had a 50-foot buffer primarily around coastal habitat, and then there was another 30-foot buffer around other types of maybe less impacting types of um, uh, buffers of, of wetlands. So the 50-foot buffer really is the minimum buffer you should have around your coastal areas, and it's for two reasons. It's not only just for water quality, it's, before, before, it's for uh, wildlife habitat as well. A lot of people don't tie the two together, but if you get rid of all these quarters around the wa waterfront, then the critters don't have a place to go back and forth, and then you lose that whole environment that you're trying to protect. And so, it's not, and I, I think some people that, let's say if they're not big, like, you know, wildlife habitat people, uh, in, in the sense of like animal lovers and so forth. But there, there's a lot more to it than that, right? Like sure. creating those critical ecosystems, it has a downstream effect. Yeah. If, if the, I mean, the studies are away. there. And that's one of the things as a county commissioner, you usually look at facts. You usually rely upon the community coming together. And, and that's the way the comprehensive plan was developed. Back in the 80s, when we have um, what we call our comprehensive plan, the community came together. We had ag interest there. We had the building community. We had the environmentalists there. You had regular citizens there. And it was a compromise because some people wanted more, some people wanted less. But the one thing that always was a proud moment for this county is that we had a higher interest in protecting the environment. We have the, the best mining regulations of anywhere probably in the state of Florida. I shouldn't say that because now they'll want to reduce that too, these commissioners. And the wetland buffers were there for a reason because all the studies that I looked at recently, because I just wanted to reevaluate studies, see what the recent science was, um, there is not a study that says that you should be doing what the county commission just did last week and, and transmit to reduce our buffers. If anything, they should be increased. Like a wildlife corridor should be somewhere probably minimum of 100 feet, 200 feet, yeah, 300 feet. that's the number I keep hearing. 300 feet. So that's unrealistic when you're looking at requiring a developer to take – 100 feet of their property away. But 50 feet is what the standard is. We've defended it in court. Successfully, successfully multiple times. Yes. And against a developer that, um, you know, has been trying for years now to reduce the standards. Um, if you reduce these standards and they have the impact that we know that it will have, there will be more nutrients going into the water and there'll be less wildlife that can be along the shorelines. 
you know, less birds, less, you know, even raccoons. Everything plays a critical part of that habitat that makes the quality of life here what it is today. And if we ruin our wetlands, we ruin our economics of, um, for the fishing industry. You know, whether you're a commercial fisherman or a recreational fisherman, that means less fish. You know, if you're a bird out there, that means that there's less prey. Recreational fishing yeah. ties into tourism, as does water quality, yeah. which is an enormous part of the, econ- uh, of the economy. But what about the part two? So two things that, that uh, I think are important to remind ourselves is, one, all of this is compounded by rising water temperatures. Right. Yeah, and, and the rising sea levels. Now, the sea levels have been rising historically around our community for the past 50 years, especially if, if not the past 100. There's, there's just data that says this is what it was. It was about six inches of rise, I think, um, is what I was told in the past minimum of 50 years. It might be as, as little as 20 years now. And it's expected to continue on that trend. So when you look at the, the actually a third point with buffers, it's called adaptation. So when you have to adapt because of rising sea level, the bigger the buffer you have, the better the environment has of adapting to that increasing water level. So the mangroves will die as, sea gra- as the sea levels rise because the roots, they call them pneumatophores for the black mangroves. Then you have the white mangroves that are a little bit further up, but especially the black mangroves, there's these like little shoots that shoots you that see. Come off of it, yeah. Well, when they constantly get covered with water, they can't breathe oxygen anymore and the plant will die. So if, if they have this buffer to migrate and adapt as sea level rises. Now you didn't have any of those conversations come up by our consultant <laughs> for some reason. You didn't have the consultant really testify that there's scientific evidence. And as a matter of fact, he said, there's no scientific proof that we need these buffers, which, which defies all the studies that are out there. Well, all hold the on, testing. hold on, Joe. Th- this was very carefully said. It was, I haven't seen any scientific proof yeah. that this exists. And I think that this Mr. DeLisi, uh, how he goes about his, his business is he makes good sh- and, and darn sure that none of that science goes in front of his eyes so that he can continuously tell people that. But but there were so many people, yourself included, willing through this process to say, well, yeah. well here it is, yeah. sir. <laughs> I put over 400 pages in the record at the planning commission. Uh, it, it And then... What was refreshing about the planning commission meeting is that there were genuine questions about what they were getting ready to yes. do. Yes, yes, from planning and, commission, right. right. And and if in fact- At least from some of the planning commissioners. Yeah, well, there was two that are bought off by the development industry and they're associated with the, you know, the building industry association directly. So yeah, So, but the people that um, were there the, uh, that are supposed to represent us were actually doing a good job, yes. in my opinion. Far better than anything I've seen at a county commission and meeting. I was, quite re- I was yeah. quite grateful. And, and I just want to say thank you yes. for that, you know, just moment that we had somebody sitting up there on the dais that was actually asking the right questions. Now, the Board of County Commissioners had that same opportunity. And from what I understand, there wasn't really one constructive question from any of those county commissioners, uh, you had new county commissioners that just came on, a new county commissioner just came on board. You would think you would say, I just got here. Maybe we should delay this because why are we in such a rush to change the buffer requirements? So, so did you not watch the meeting? Have you not seen? No, I did not okay, watch so it. Okay, <clears throat> so I will say that um, Commissioner George Cruz did ask right. a lot of, and, and even that question right there, why are we doing this like this? Why is it so yeah, important? Yeah, for the we exception of George Cruz. Right, so I just want to go ahead and Thanks. say that he did ask some pretty... And one of the other things that you pointed out, Dawn, was the idea that when the consultant, Mr. DeLisi, talked about not having any knowledge that other counties coastal counties have mm-hmm. rules like ours it wasn't very hard for you to find out that that was an erroneous statement as well right well and there was there was a citizen who surprised me and showed up and said told the commissioners i've spent the last several days yes calling and researching and i've gathered all the data of all the coastal counties in florida and i'm here to tell you i'm going to share with you what all of their buffer requirements are it, it and he was and he was even breaking it down for the more for the commissioners who maybe this is less a, a comp yes 
to to make it easier to digest. Look, more than 60% of them. Yeah, I think he said it was almost 70% yes, of the counties. 68%, yeah. I, I can't remember now from top of my head, but yes, he was doing it in that terms, like really breaking it down. Yeah. And then after public comments was done, you know, then you have, they come, they the commissioners go to lunch, they come back. I think it was Amanda Ballard. Yes who was then pressing Delisi, so you showed us that chart, which by the way, folks, if if you were there, you watched it, you haven't watched it, go and see if you can find on the YouTube mini meeting video, you, that chart would have been shown on the overhead. So you'll be able to pause the meeting video and, and really take a look at it. Read what the top columns are. Read what the imp. It, it was very misleading. It was. It ends up looking like a list of counties and they all say defer to state, defer to state. It is. It is misleading. Yeah, and that's best. and that's not accurate. And when you do a simple Google search on wetland buffers, state mm -hmm. of Florida, you get some of those counties that have done the scientific research that are similar counties to ours, and the mm -hmm. need for the buffers are definitely there. Well, and his answer to Commissioner Ballard was essentially, "Well, you know, I've only had a short time." Not to my knowledge, yes. he yeah. does a lot of he and did he a says, lot of like, that. Well, the counties I've worked with, I can speak to that, and yeah. I can make sure you get the most updated information at some point. It, it, it's so, a lot of like, like, don't ask me any real stuff. And it, I guess the, the, the part to me that was most eye-opening was when Commissioner Cruz said something to the effect of, you know, I don't even know why you're here. All of a sudden, you know, we were doing a comp plan rewrite with staff and we had a consulting firm. And then all of a sudden you're here and we're doing this differently. And he just kind of gives this exasperated like shrug of, I got a phone call and I'm just kind of here doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, to which, yeah. to which Commissioner Cruz responded because what what he actually Delisi ends up saying because this was the moment toward the end, just before the vote, where Cruz was asking specifically, "Why now? It's, tell us why this is good. Tell us why we should vote for this, and then also tell us why in this process. Why is it being pulled from this other process right. where mm -hmm. we're already doing this thing?" Yeah. And Delisi, there was a very long pause. And his first response was, well, that's really more of a statement than a question. And Commissioner <laughs> Cruz said, no, that's a question. And we're paying you $25,000 to be here to represent and tell us this is what we're supposed to. Yeah. So you should be able to answer this question. And at this moment, I'm sitting in the audience looking at Nicole Knapp thinking, any moment she's going to chime in because she knows the answers to these questions. And she's actually staff, which that's another point that we can get to in a minute. But Delisi ends up saying to Commissioner Cruz, well, I didn't call, you know, the board reached out to me. And that's when Cruz said, I didn't reach out to anybody. Yeah, I, I never called you. It wasn't me. What? I didn't even know you were hired. Yeah. Here you are. And Commissioner Van Ossenbridge's response was, well, Commissioner Cruz, that's because we have six conservative Republicans on this board, and the six conservatives asked that- Yeah, and you know, staff we, did it. Right. And uh, then we look at any duplication, because we don't like government regulation that's duplicative and that we don't need. Let me ask you this question, and this goes to what I was just saying about a little bit touching on, on staff. From all your experience, it seems very odd to me. I know that on other things, of course, the county would have cause to hire experts in the field, right. right? But the lack of staff present in the meeting, that's, their, that's the lack a, of their voices yeah, that, being questioned. That, that, that's a first for me. I've never seen uh, an issue like this go in front of the county commissioners without staff there to support the issue. And usually you have the testimony from staff saying this is a good thing. This is the reason why. You certainly don't pay somebody $25,000 that you don't have a relationship with or don't know what their experience really is. And we find out that he's not an expert on wetlands. Uh, he's just a person that knows how maybe to put words together into a policy document. But that's not what you would want in this case. But that's the first observation I was really amazed at when I was in the moon room at the uh, planning commission meeting, I uh, gave testimony there and that there was not one staff person. Mm -hmm. I mean, staff, you know, we have environmental staff. What's left of them? What's left of them? I was going to say, we're, we're how many of... times like I'm thinking along bar point, uh, when we've used consultants for, for certain aspects sure. of it, they're always working in concert with staff, with staff. and then staff is there supporting. To, yes, the, yeah, they yes. go back and forth and support right. each other. And and in case a commissioner has a question, well, then you also have your staff right. as well. To, I mean, the whole 
the whole procedure on this is, is wrong because, one, they didn't give the public enough notice. If, if you recall, I believe we yes. had less than a month notice that you're going to do this dramatic change to our wetland policies. You didn't involve the community where you basically want to reach out to the community. Plus, you're undertaking a rewrite, possibly, of the comprehensive plan as a whole. Mm -hmm. There was no rush to single this out at mm -hmm. the moment to have it all by itself. It could have been part of what they're supposed to be doing is reaching out to the community. And then you usually have a work session and you bring in, hey, you're the environmental group like Suncoast Waterkeeper and Dr. Abby there where she gave great testimony. You bring that person in and say, okay, tell us why we should or shouldn't be doing this. And then you have the staff that says we should be or shouldn't be doing this. And then of course you have the commissioner's great comments that you deal with. So that's how it's supposed to work. The comp plan was not done in isolation. It was not done in a week or a month. It was done over about a two-year to three-year period, taking in thousands and thousands of people's comments. And, and that's another thing that the consultant really uh, was wrong about. He says, I, I don't know how these policies even became the policy, what they were based on. Well, there was people that were well, there. Well, it was like, nice that Rob Brown was yeah. there to come up and give, so former environmental services uh, manager, I think his title was uh, 34 years with the county. And yeah. God, I remember him from you know, way back when I started and, here. And he only just left the county in 2022. Yes, right. yes. So, so fresh out. So not right. not disconnected from this at all. And he brought up, and that's the second point I wanted to get to, he brought up something that had not been discussed once thus far, which was, hey, and by the way, and I think the, the subtext, I don't want to put words into his mouth, I think the subtext was, I know we're doing this for developers, but... Do you know who the largest landowner in Manatee County is? Yeah. It's Mosaic. Yeah. And do you also know that these wetland buffer rules impact mining? And you can't separate them and say, well, you yeah, know, mining doesn't have to and development does. Yeah. That's not the way it works. You're giving this gift away to them as well, yeah. and they're going to exercise it. Yeah. And there was um, many meetings we had with the approval of, of mining in Manatee County when I was a county commissioner. And I was adamant to protect those wetlands, those high-quality wetlands, uh, from mining because the mining companies like Mosaic, they wanted to mine right up to the wetland mm -hmm. because they call it a temporary use. So we'll destroy it on a temporary right. basis, and yeah, we'll restore it with something in, in 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, whatever they usually wind up doing. So you're right. It, and Rob Brown was, good to, uh, was great to ha have his testimony there. But why are the county commissioners not listening to anybody? I mean, that's well, or the just asking thing. a question. So yeah. what? And, and again, I think the the obvious answer is there was a deliberate effort to avoid science, to avoid right. work sessions, to avoid any interaction outside of public comment in which an expert might challenge what was being presented. Because as you said, there literally is no answer. Yeah, there is, there is no reason to do what they're doing. Right. Here, so so it had to be in in defense. I, I was going to say here here is part of my. Uh, frustration and some of what I've learned and, and frustration as a citizen watching all of this unfold and being there in person for that meeting. But in the investigative work I did to put out these series of reports, I spoke to a lot of people and I came to understand certainly, and I think my reporting shows this, that the staff was not, okay, let's just talk about the wetland changes only. Skip the comp plan bigger part. They weren't okay with it. They knew it wasn't a good idea. They they wanted to give comments. They were being told, stamp it and move it on. There's even, I've published um, email you records know. that show, you know, Upper, Denise, Nicole Knapp, Courtney being like, yeah, just move it along. We need to get this done. And so then at that point, they realized the staff isn't going to play. I published those draft ordinances showing that they had actually, you said, you know, the public only just found out about it recently, right. but actually they were trying to bring this forward and right. intended to push this through back in right. April. Right. April March, and, yeah. and, and that got blown up. Yeah, and, because and, they couldn't have any staff person that supported what they right. wanted it to and, do. And what the staff kept producing or, yeah. or ultimately produced was something that gave them everything they wanted but those 50-foot right. buffers, right. okay? So then we end up with apparently going through one consultant who was, you know, gave some advice, agreed with staff. And so I have also heard in conversations, and I, and I have not written about this part, I have no evidence of it to show it. In fact, the records and what that I have come across kind of is contradictive to this, but I have heard that 
you know, people like Nicole Knapp is very uncomfortable with this. Nicole Knapp does not like this either. And, and so therefore she was, I don't know if grateful would be the word, but content to have a consultant be the face of it so that she would Didn't not have to. Have right. to but she still it. is the face of it. Well, and, and here's the problem. That's the that sad I, part. Yes. And you, here is the problem that I have as a citizen, because I will tell you, after my story came out, there were some people that had reached out to me privately and said, you know, hey, you wrote about her, you know, taking over the interim position. And she she did get an increase with that. And I really just want to let you know she's a good person. She's a knowledgeable person. She's really been like all the other employees you've heard about she's also been thrown into this situation she didn't ask for she's being basically held hostage by all of us are you know all of us are at this point citizens do and um they said you know and it just ends up looking like she's a bad guy and i just want to let you know she's not she's a good person and i said listen it's not it's not about that i'm i'm empathetic i'm compassionate i understand it i feel bad for all the employees but there comes a point where at this point in time we know how serious this wetland issue is. We know how serious it's going to be in the long run when they go through that comp plan. We don't even know what all is going to get changed there, but we have some clues about some things that are coming. My understanding of Nicole Knapp and her knowledge of the comp plan and, and, and her professionalism is that she's probably the most informed person in the county where it comes to, at this point in time, where it comes to really understanding the purpose of a comp plan and how significant it is to make changes in there and what those changes can do to the land development code, et cetera. If she knows that something being brought forward is not a good idea to the point where she doesn't want to speak to it, she doesn't, she would prefer to just fall behind this consultant and She's collecting a paycheck, which, by the way, all of their pay is paid by the taxpayer, okay? So she's taking taxpayer money to do a job that she feels she cannot do and then also knows we are spending more taxpayer money to bring a guy in who then stands there, misleads, lies, and gives disinformation all the while while she sits there knowing why this is happening, but she doesn't want to speak up because she doesn't want to lose her job or her yep. livelihood, which, again, I'm very empathetic to. And I've spoke to a lot of employees who have felt this way. And I do get it. What good is it to fall on the sword if it isn't going to change anything anyways? It, In my mind, it comes to a point where you just you got to do the right thing. Yeah. Well, and I, I agree. And it's tough to do the right thing sometimes. But your moral compass should be there. And you have to tell a person, no, well, this is not the right thing to do. And this is the reason why. And if, if you don't feel that way, then maybe you have the wrong person for this job. Well, and correct me on that, on this point too, for what you just said, if I'm wrong. But my understanding is for this job, the job, especially of the individuals who are in the upper management of all of our departments, a number one, their purpose for being there is to use their expertise and knowledge to educate the board so that our board can be making the most informed decisions in the best interest of the yep, community. That's what they should be. If a number one, you you're not willing to do that job for whatever the reason, because you're uncomfortable, because whatever, please step down that either speak up or step down yep. because you now are complicit and taking paychecks yeah. of our money to not do the job you know you are there to do. Yeah, and you can't have everybody also. coming up and saying this is the wrong thing to do. Right. And not one person testified, and, and many times as a commissioner, you would have both sides coming mm -hmm. up. This time you only had one side coming up over and over again saying don't do this and here's the reason why. This is not one person at, during public comment stepped mm -hmm. up and said, this is the right thing to do. Not one staff person stepped up and said, this is the right thing to do for our county. Mm -hmm. And so that's a real sad statement of and, affairs. And, and I do want to clarify, because it may sound like in everything that I just said that I'm you know, particularly picking on or highlighting Nicole Knapp. She's not alone. There are other staff there right. who know that this is not okay. Mm -hmm. And they have, some of them clearly have tried to divert or, or do what they could to stop it. And, and to be honest, as far as the situation, if you have a county commissioner that's driving his agenda without the, the, the public consensus mm -hmm. in a meeting, it's really illegal for a commissioner to do that. Mm -hmm. 
a sole commissioner cannot, if you're chairman, chairman is just one extra, you're just, you're just running run the meeting. meeting. So, I mean, right. you're, you don't have any more power. You could sign oh. a document and checks and all that. The only stuff. power that comes but, with an right. elected body yeah. is through a majority vote of the board. We have it a, a county administrative form of government. Right. That means that you have a majority policy that's set by the board and the county administrator is supposed to carry out that policy. Well, and therein lies the problem too because we've had real vacancy in actual well, administration. And that's where people take advantage of situations mm -hmm. and corruption occurs. May I also add this? And I know I've been talking a lot here on this point, but the other thing I want to add um, about the having spoken to a lot of people in the course of those reports in the community, different people reached out to me, especially after my first report was published. And I have spoken to individuals who tell me that they are in, in one way or another associated with or work in the development industry. Right. And I've heard things like, you know, I just want to let you know, like we kind of all get a bad rap because of what these other developers are clearly out front doing. Like it's blatant at this point and it kind of sucks to be us because we're not, doing it and we don't agree with it. And so I would say things like, do you think maybe you could come forward and make a public comment? Definitely no. No. That would be a no. That would be very bad for me, yeah. you know. And and I ran into that experience also in speaking with people in the environmental or scientific or, or um, preservation type community, uh, whether they were working, you know, under university type I don't know the structures, um, you know, projects, research projects or whatever. I, I heard it there too. Well, here's the thing. The work that I'm doing is really, really important. And while you're right, I am an expert in this issue and I do see why you think it would be valuable, but also the other work I'm doing is valuable and that requires public-private partnership. And it is no secret we know we will be punished if we come out yeah. and speak out. And so not only, and this is to my point about not only our employees being held hostage. But the uh, industry the, the, expertise, it, it, yeah. Our community is right. being held hostage. And I and it, I was laying in my bed. I think you mean was, we're not as free of a community here in Florida as what I thought we were? Under seven, conser oh, excuse me, six conservative. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is I not remember funny, laying I'm in sorry. my bed on- um, Trying to find some humor here in all this and yeah, it's hard. On Friday morning after the meeting, I was laying in my bed kind of staring up at the ceiling and I thought to myself, this is like, if a bunch of good men stay quiet, then a bunch of bad intentions are going to win. Yep. And then I thought, wow, isn't that, didn't somebody say something like that? Isn't there like a smart quote like that? And I looked it up and there is, and I think yep. it's something like- Martin Luther King's. Is it, yeah. I don't know who, who it's from, but it's something about That's, when good men stay quiet, bad yeah. men, oh, okay. something. Yeah. Evil Likely things happens when good yes, people- Yes, that's what it is. Yeah. You know, are, are staying, be quiet. Yeah, I always believe that too because it's 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 tough when you're the lone vo voice out there. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee, if one person steps up, then another person mm -hmm. should step up, and then you have a better society from it all. But this is corruption at its finest. Yes, and that's, you know, that's why that's I my was, belief. That's why I was so grateful when um, Mr. Rob Brown came right. to the microphone, and I understood who he was, and, and he said mm -hmm. who he was, and I thought, wow. We have one, like we need more right, of views right. from different yeah. areas. Um, and that, that, that's, and safety and that's what I think they crystallized. Can't. Yes, you're right in that too as well, because like you said, one person steps up then hopefully another person draws courage from that. But that's the part that's so crystallized the corruption was how are you gonna tell me that through two presentations, the planning commission and the county commission presentation, nobody even mentioned the implication it would have on mining, a huge part of land use in Manatee County. And now the most like uh, legacied person in the room who was there when they actually developed the comp land and is able to say, hey, they're actually, we, we used the best available yep. science back then and the science only supports more of it now because because the evidence is with the policies we have in place, water quality is getting worse. Yes. So what more do you have to know that, that, that we can't go further in that direction. We have the evidence that the current regulations have led to a worsening and worsening of water quality as evidenced by Rusty Chinnis showing us yeah, a video of that was yes, really impactful right. too. I mean, what's it take to turn the tide of people's minds? And that's how you know it's so politically corrupt because not one no, question, right? Not one question. Not yeah. one commissioner except, said, except, except for George. Well, even, we'll give, even, give that no, the not, not that George didn't do a great job, but, but Even Cruz, not one person said, 
hey, can the consultant or staff come up and talk a little bit more about this mining stuff that one of our longest yeah, tenured staff yeah, just mentioned? Yes. I'd like to know more about that, yeah. especially if you're brand new and you just got appointed to the board. I've never dealt with phosphate mining before. I'm from the real estate industry. Can somebody tell me exactly what that means? Nope. Yeah. Nobody you know had any was, You know what was interesting? The only time they brought staff up, and you would probably recognize why this may have happened having been in person at the planning commission meeting, but it was uh, Gerstenberger. Uh, when Mike Ron came back from the lunch break, he had talking points about the um, mitigation bank. Uh, no, no, oh, no. Right. It was about stormwater. Yes, right. yes. And so he brings up Gershberg because I guess that's his, right. his like he is the, the guru of all things stormwater, yeah. I guess. So I've been told. It's been for a while. And um, so I guess he, from what I recall, Ron was trying to get him to say, Gerstenberger to say, that essentially wetland buffers aren't all that important because what's really important is how you're doing stormwater because the first stop is stormwater. So as long as the stormwater engineering is like exceptional, then by the time the stuff gets to the wetlands, if the wetlands are really tiny, that's okay because it's already all been cleared up and purified before it even got there because of the stormwater system, right? And so he's trying to get Gerstenberger yeah. to say, am, am I thinking about that right? And Poor Mr. Kirstenberger, because it seemed pretty clear that guy was like, couldn't be more wrong. I <laughs> don't really want to answer that question, and I don't appreciate being put in this. I mean, he yeah. did it. He took it like a champ, and I've seen other staff do it too. But he basically said, you know, it would really depend on the type of stormwater system you have in place yeah. and what the wetland situation yeah. is. You well, know? that's a safe answer, and he's right. absolutely right. And most stormwater systems aren't designed in a way that all the runoff from that beautifully fertilized lawn and landscaping is going into a stormwater collection system when you're next to a wetland. Typically, when you have these rains, you do have some slope that's going towards these wetlands, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's and with washing the buffer. that away. Yes. Well, I mean, and I'm and I'm pretty sure the um, engineering solutions thing we got yes. going oh gosh, on. Yeah. That I'm sure this has something to do with. So it, yeah, it, it, not, it could be any number of things. New creative ways to do stormwater. Which hey. I'm all for innovation, especially if it's for the better thing. But if it's so that we can cut corners on other things mm -hmm. and say we tried and we did yeah. good enough, then that's not good enough. And, and maybe a lot of people don't live on the water um, in the coast and, you know, because a lot of people are now living inland. But this is a very important issue to the whole county because it's an economic issue. It is. And when I you agree. have an increase of red tide or these lingbia blooms that I call mm -hmm. poopy algae because it's the best way to describe it. If you see something on the water and it looks like... Really, pile of dung. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 yes. it's, it's a very toxic it, yeah, it's, cyanobacteria. It's not good to swim in. You have skin rashes. You could actually die from it. It stinks. Um, it's you know, it it causes all sorts of nuisances, and then it kills your sea life, which is the you know the mainstay of the quality of life because you lose your fabric of your community of the coastal communities. You're going to also impact the inland community. So, you know, it, people may not see it firsthand, but two weeks ago when you know I was going out on the water, and all of a sudden. Out in Palmasola Bay, it's nothing but a dead blowfish every 200 feet mm -hmm. out there. And I've grown up on Palmasola Bay. I've never seen dead blowfishes ever on the waters. And so I get a hold of Dr. Tomasco. I, you know, my daughter was with me, so she contacted people from FWC. She's the chairperson for Tampa Bay Waterkeeper. And lo and behold, FWC was out there with some research people the day before, low oxygen levels. And then so the low oxygen levels cause the fish to die. You right. said the blowfish, I believe. It's kind of like the canary in the coal mine because they're slow moving fish. Yeah. So, so they can't get away yeah. from it as quickly. Yeah. So the poor blowfish or, you know, the you know, puffer fishes, as some people call them down here, um, they can't swim as fast. So unlike a trout or a snooker that could get away from right. bad water, these, these poor fish, you know, just die. And that's kind of crazy because I've never caught a puffer fish in, in Palmasola Bay or a blowfish, as, as I call it for the most part. And yet here there were hundreds of them just floating on the surface. It was just, under, wow. it was, that's not the way you want to start your day. So that's your quality of life, you know, kind of scenario for a person that's lived here since like the 19, early 70s, 69 is when I moved here. Never seen something like that before. And isn't it ironic that this is happening at a period of time where we also have certain commissioners, several of them very animated and and 
leading the charge on let's build a parking garage because we need to get everybody to the beach. <laughs> everybody needs to be allowed to go to yeah. the beach. What, what is the value in getting everybody to the beach if you're just going to kill the beach? Yeah, well, it's not about a I know parking garage. I agree with you. I agree with you. But <laughs> I'm just saying, isn't it, isn't it yeah. ironic? Yeah. And you know, and, and to the irony, you remember Gerstenberger was the name that one of those planning commissioners kept saying, where's yep. Gerstenberger? Where, where's, yep. So they brought yeah. him in. He was the only one who came in. And I'm like, and, isn't that interesting? And, and Tom will tell you the truth. But I mean, he also is in a bad situation because... They all are. Nobody you know, wants to hear the truth. Well, right? yeah. You know, if you answer the question, you, you really shouldn't be reducing the buffers commissioners. You know, you might not have a job the next day. I have, I have been told that there were people inside of environmental planning or inside of planning as a whole who over time, maybe not, maybe it wasn't even all directly related to the wetlands thing, but other things had pushed back and spoken up and that there was at least one person I've heard of was demoted yep. in response. Um, people have, have quit. People have... So, it's not so, good. So the bottom line is that we're paying people to do a good job. We have government workers that sometimes people like to criticize, but here you have a case where government workers are really trying their best to hold the line against a bunch of corrupt politicians that just want to take, you know, the, the rules away to benefit a small section of our population. And that's really where we're at right now. And, and it's not right for those staff people to, not be able to voice their professional opinions that we pay them, like you were mm -hmm. saying. I mean, there mm -hmm. are tax dollars. Yeah, at this mm -hmm. point, it's like, why even have them yeah. if we're just gonna, mm -hmm. like, well, hey, either rubber stamp it or we'll find somebody who will, well, and it's gonna, or we're gonna pay 25 grand every time we bring somebody in to do it for you. Well, that was the hidden part of the messaging. If you really read the staff report, it's like, well, we don't have the staff to do this. Right. Well, we don't have the staff to do it, really, when you have more building fees ever coming into the county. Well, and we know, that, that, we know that that's not true because we have evidence that the staff had written the ordinance. They were preparing to bring it forward. Right. So but, clearly, at some point, they but, thought we had the staff who was qualified to do but, it. But it's also not a money issue because our taxes have been yes, going yes. up. The budget so is that swollen, was all right. a smokescreen. All they want to do is get rid of what little environmental staff mm -hmm. oversight that we have now mm -hmm. and say, well, you could delegate it to the state and then you won't have an environmental department because there are also things where we had the developers show proof of why they needed to ruin wetlands i mean there was supposed to be a wetland impact study right. as we call it so that's out the window too so not only wetland buffers out but also the wetland impact study which kind of makes you justify why do you really need to ruin this in, uh, this wetland? Which is part of the state's review because you're supposed to look at alternatives to destroying a wetland. That's part of it. But the state tries to do a good job, but they're also limited with resources. I mean, the best- Yeah, they've been getting gutted the yeah. same way I mean, for ever the same since, purpose. Yeah, yeah, ever since Governor Scott's, Scott you know, started the demise, it's, it's been continuing. It's, they're rebuilding slowly, and you have some good uh, employees there at the state level too. Um, but at the end of the day, there's no better person to protect your environment than the local government. Yeah. Well, and, and that has been, you know, going back to what I was saying about the employees and, and people living in a state of fear that if anybody speaks up both in the community and within the government is it's unsettling to me to know that a vast majority of Manatee County residents may not even know the situation's going on and they wouldn't ever suspect that a situation like this could be going on because they live under the assumption and i think we had this conversation at the last podcast that the institution has certain checks and balances and there's ways to keep the worst from happening to your community so even if somebody comes up with some crazy idea or they're running a political agenda be somebody to you've stop got yeah. steps along what you know and here we are and it's broken through all of those and well the staff used to be the roadblock to that yeah you know, the good staff used to be the roadblock and also it's the intent of the community itself so a lot of people come here to retire and they drop out of kind of being involved mm -hmm. in society other than their social cliques. You know, nothing wrong with that, but democracy can only be sustained by an act of, you know, citizenry. And for, I think, too long, we've had people not watching what's been going on Agreed. with county government. 
They've been believing these little flyers that come out mm-hmm. during election time, and they don't understand the only reason you're getting that anti-Joe um, type of flyer or anti-Matt Bauer type of flyer is because the developer wants his guy to do exactly what they're doing today. Well, and it just seems like it's good enough for some people where, and I think I've said this before on our podcast, that sometimes it feels like to me, someone who I I am not politically, like I've never been a party politics person. I've just never had that sort right. of commitment to a party. But it seems like somewhere along the way, we've, we've lost our way and politics has become a sort of religion yep. for a lot of yes. people. Yes. And so now beyond knowing, oh, we've got all Republicans up there and they say they're Republicans and I saw their flyers and what their pictures are and they got guns and flags and this they're and that. They're on my team. And at that point, they look away and they say, we're in good hands. Yeah. Right. Well, they're not. They're not. I, I, I got to right. tell them that those Republicans are up there are not I, conservatives I, because they're, spend, they're I, spending more yes. They're I, spending more money. And than they're they, giving away small government. That is yeah. so antithetical yeah. to conservative values of saying, hey, what we want to do is keep government big and far away from you. Yeah. That's the exact opposite. Isn't it conservatives that came up with the quote of keep government small Smaller, enough to right. uh, close enough to keep yeah. your hands around its right. neck, right? Yeah, well, we can't keep our hands around it anymore. I can't reach Tallahassee. Well, and, and, that's and, and, and speaking of conservative spending, perhaps we should talk a little bit about the fact that, once again, it looks like we've spent taxpayer money on a sham of a, we're conducting, a, yeah. we're conducting a search. How much money have yeah. we spent on okay, this Okay, so now? let's pivot to that. So, Boy, in the everlasting <laughs> soap opera that is the county administrator search, we have now on multiple occasions, Mrs. Kitterman, uh, sort of, you know, we have our, our unofficial office pool here, and <laughs> we've both kind of said, do you think there's a chance they're going to make Charlie Bishop the full-time county administrator? No. I mean, it doesn't. And, you know, there were moments, as I recapped in, in the column that came out today, where... There were moments where it seemed plausible, but then by the time it got to the point where it's like, well, no, they're already bringing in finalists and they're flying them in mm-hmm. for interviews. And this one guy's got like all seven of them on a vote and another guy seems to be real close. Uh, kind of looks like they're probably just trying to rush this stuff through, which is the reason, you know, why that was pulled out from the whole comp plan thing is, I think, is while we have nobody mining the mint, right? While we have this series of rotating acting county administrators nobody really knows who's running things right we could get this oh we know who's running things. right <laughs> we can get this worst thing through right we could just have the county commission chair push it through at the direction of his developer sugar daddy push it through the the administration and everybody will just bend to the will but the the idea that we, we were going to get somebody. And it was like, okay, but it'll take them months to get there. So they'll probably not be that influential on the comp plan rewrite and everything. And then they'll get everything they need. And then they won't really have a use for the person anyway. That seemed more likely. But then we, we come from Friday. And I can't tell you how much whiplash this gave me is that I'm covering this meeting on Friday. And it seems like, Okay, here's the guy that's that's most qualified. That's Lee Smith. No question. He has the best resume. He has the most relevant experience. He's pretty much exactly what you want to see. He started at a very small county manager in North Carolina, moved up to a larger one of like 100,000 in Georgia, moved up to a larger one of almost 400,000 in Georgia uh, that I believe includes Savannah. Yeah. Uh, so very much more similar to a, you know. Our county. Our county, yeah. right? And the, the sort of both growth and economics and everything in the engine in it. Boy, that's interesting. Then he comes and he presents by far the best. This is the guy that gives the tightest interview that that gives off a sort of a, a, a leadership presence, but that you tell it's very operational. You know, there's some people that just have gravitas and that, that could be very valuable. But then when you have charisma, but you've also clearly got really good operational strengths, now it's like, okay, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing this person everybody said, oh yeah, he's like my second, second. I, I like him, but it was so clear he's not getting a job, right? right. Because it, we do not want- Somebody that's qualified. Right, that has you know decades of experience in public administration. So they're all excited about this Mr. Butterfield, who is a retired, uh, uh, I guess, naval captain, so like Colonel level, um, 06, uh, was a base commander, great experience, in terms of you know being relative to what you're going to do, but in terms of actual public policy, 
four years as operations manager up the road in a, in a beach town of 8,000 people. And he did not come across, you know, no, all due respect to him, did not come across on any gravitas or charisma. I mean, it was, it was, he was about as charismatic as a wet dishcloth, if I'm going to be honest. Um, but they're all really excited about him. I'm thinking, okay, he's got it. All right, maybe. And there was some, you know, Kevin Van Austinbridge brought up a, well, you know, we discussed ideology, not politics, but I think we're on the same page, which again, I don't know what that means. If he asks people if they're conservative, their definition may be radically different yeah. than his. Um, but it seems like, all right, this this guy's going to get a job and I'm thinking it's going to happen Tuesday. You know, they, they just said we're going to put it on an item at the next meeting and uh, we'll see what we get comfortable with over the weekend. And I thought, okay, this guy's got it. There's, there's no other really outcome I can see. Well, then the meeting starts and all of a sudden three commissioners are completely singing a different tune. James Thatcher, Jason Bearden, and Kevin Van Osterbridge are all of a sudden now not comfortable with anybody. Uh, we need to really slow this down. This thing's gotten way out ahead of us. And there's no hurry for this. Well, and what's weird about that is, yeah, there was this whole, I'm not ready to put a flag in it or whatever the heck they were. And there was a lot of uh, like uh, idioms. <laughs> right. But, but <laughs> I'm not ready to ask him to prom. <laughs> right. I know all this like, but one thing did seem clear. All seven of them agreed that if they had to choose right then and there, it was Butterfield. Right. What more do you need yeah, you just did a national search. You right. literally are all here today saying, well, if I was forced to, and every single one of them wrote down on that paper, Butterfield, if, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm jumping to conclusions here, but I kind of feel like there's probably a good chance that Butterfield's going to be like, screw you guys, go home, and that's part of the point in this whole thing. Because Yeah, Matt, how would back. you feel as a candidate if you go through this whole right. long, exhaustive process? I could tell how... I don't know if you read the frustration. And would you even want to still work right, for these for the, people? Well, that's the other part too. Uh, you could see the frustration on the consultant's end because the consultant yeah. was like, what? Yeah, he was probably surprised. Yes, because he was like, one. Hello, Mr. Consultant. Welcome to Manatee right? County. <laughs> he was like, I was really excited about the field that we brought you. I was under the impression you guys were incredibly excited about the field that mm -hmm. I brought you. And I thought we all agreed that any of these four that have interviewed would all be great candidates. And it's just a matter of picking the best of these best. And then you're asking me like to open it up again. And he started saying, I don't know. I could certainly slow it down because that's what would happen. And he was saying, and could I bring you back a field this good? I'm not going to say that I could. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to go out and re-advertise to the same people yeah. in the same places. A lot of these people will probably drop out because of right. this. And now we're going to bring in... Well, and it seemed like most of the commissioners were not necessarily... Uh, I mean, a couple of them had said about reopening it, but most of them were kind of like, I don't know about necessarily reopening well, that, that it, was can the, we just have some more time? That was the gap, though, I think. Can we just continue to marinate some of these candidates? That was the gap where I don't think everybody was on the same page. It seemed very clear that it was Van Ostenbridge, Bearden, and Satcher. And the moment Satcher said... You know, I feel kind of good right now because anytime I need something, I look to the guy to my right and he gets it done. And I look and I'm like waiting for the camera to pull out and say, please tell me Charlie Bishop isn't is right. And of course he is. And I was like, at that moment, I was like, they're they're hiring Bishop. The, the, the play is in. So now I, the last time that you and I discussed on the podcast, I don't know if it was the last podcast or the podcast before where you did watch that previous meeting, the one that happened before yes. this one with the, with the administrator item. And I had not watched that mm -hmm. that day because I had other things to do. And you assured me, that it looked like everything was going as yeah, though there was it, a process. It seemed too far and you, and down. And you remember the, I said to you. It seemed too good to be true, right? Yes, I think it was I, what we were talking yes, about. And, I, and you remember I said to you, you know, I'm a little gun shy, forgive me, but I just, this is a very important position. I find it really hard to believe. That they're just going to let an outsider come in and take it over, right? And, and here's the other thing that I think we talked about or reported on, or it's certainly come up between you and I, if not publicly. I think it's come up publicly in reporting somewhere along the way, is that Lee Washington allegedly, when he was acting administrator, closed out an advertised position to fill a deputy county administrator role. Right. He then was threatened 
with resig or to, to be forced out over which, having by the done way, that act. Which, by the way, John Mast had applied for and had been closed out with Mast. So it was very clear Mast that John was Mast gonna was going to get that position. Correct. So, and then so Washington basically who was threw the building, a wrench in it. Who was yes. with the building industry right. association yes. for right. And then and then shortly thereafter that we come to find we 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 come to a meeting and Mike Ron's making a motion and now Mast is going to be acting administrator and Washington's going to be out. That fell apart because John Mast wanted a lot yeah. to do the job. I mean, there's no way they could have ever justified that. Um, and then Lee Washington ends up leaving under a different circumstance voluntarily, I guess, and bringing us to this point. And it was just maybe a month ago that I noticed a deputy county administrator position had been advertised again. And mm -hmm. I believe that position closed like it was either mid or a little later than mid-July. Right. And I said to you, who exactly is, one, who's advertising? Who put this listing up? Because Lee's gone. Now, it may have been put up before Lee was gone. I don't who's know. Who's interviewing? Who's interviewing? That's the big question. Who's interviewing? And then who would be making the decision on that? And, and why, why in the world? would we do yes, that right, right before, now when yeah. everybody knows we're about, well, at least we think we know, that we're about to hire a county administrator. So, and hold on. And if Bill Clegg is going to advise, hey, County Attorney Bill Clegg, hey, yeah, it's probably important that you have a county administrator there to weigh in on impact fees. Which Odd, yeah, right? Doesn't make sense. Wouldn't his advice probably be, well, since this person is going to be a direct report to the county administrator and actually serves at their uh, uh, pleasure, pleasure, then. Don't you think you'd want him involved in the interviewing and selection As process? And maybe they want to bring in their own person. Right. And especially when we consider what the going rate right now in Manatee County for is a deputy, for, for a deputy yeah. county administrator. About I 200 mean, grand plus perks, yeah. Right. And so yesterday in the meeting, I don't know if you caught this, but when Bishop was speaking, I think it was after it had been floated yes. that maybe he would yes. be the guy. It's in my column today. He yes. says, I haven't read that yet. I apologize. He says, Mr. Parnell, he mentions Brian Parnell. It'll be great. Hopefully we're going to be bringing Brian Parnell on soon. I had heard yesterday morning from a source. Hey, they've, they've hired, they, or at least they've told somebody they're going to get the job of deputy county administrator. I'm like, that is very interesting. Who interviewed them? Don't know. Who said they would be hired? Don't know. Just thought you might want to know that. And I didn't really do anything or think much of it. And then Bishop drops the name in the meeting. And I'm like, there it is. And then Ron, I believe it was, mm -hmm. in his comments, references, yes. makes it clear that they're talking a about a deputy. Right. He said, hopefully we've got the new third... Deputy coming on. I'm going yeah. quiet because I'm running out of words here because this is all very, very telling. It it makes no sense whatsoever that anybody would be hiring a deputy right now. It makes no, you, no you, sense you, you, why you, Bishop would know who the deputy is, well, and coincidentally, Bishop now is in the running. Well, this well, is Bishop, what, Bishop would know because he would be the one to hire him mm -hmm. since he's the acting county administrator. That would be directly below him. So that would be the person that he would hire. This mm. is my speculation. My speculation. Yeah. And wouldn't it be weird that you'd be hiring him as acting and then you'd be peers? My speculation is, and I know this for a fact from when we've hired uh, school superintendents and some other high ranking officials in, in local government. It is not uncommon during the interview process for them to meet with stakeholders, right? Mm -hmm. pillars of the community. Sometimes this, this happens on a big boat, I'm told, uh, that one developer owns, and uh, have a little meeting for them to get comfortable with them. I'm thinking that the powers that be failed to grow comfortable with any of the candidates on Thursday and Friday when they were in town and said, yeah, we're not sure we want to move with anybody. And I think there was an audible call saying, this is too important to screw up. We don't see somebody here that we think is going to bend the knee the way we need them to bend the knee. Let's give the ball to Charlie Bishop. Yep. Well, and I'll tell you right now, if any commissioners are listening, which I think probably maybe six of the seven don't <laughs> listen to this podcast, but maybe um, if you're a commissioner who's been very concerned about the dynamic under the Scott Hopes, Kevin Van Austin bridge duo, and everything that's come since that point, 
I think you should rethink the Charlie Bishop, Kevin Van Austin bridge duo, because if you think it's going to be an equal partnership or that that's somehow going to change the frustration I've seen you expressing in meetings for a long time now about feeling like you're Kevin, the last to know Kevin everything. Kevin knows everything. When was all this decided? Right. When these conversations take place? That dynamic is going to get worse, not better. I agree. I agree. Because that's Hope's the only, the only offsetting disquality, I guess you call it, with Hope's is that he was narcissistical and egomaniacal that he wanted to have his own show to run. Right. Charlie just seems very, very glad to say, what do you guys need? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I completely agree. Wake me up when you need me to sign something. So yeah, here, here, here's an observation I had reading um, about the increase that we're going to have for you, the garbage rates. Uh -huh. So the garbage rates impact all the citizens of Manatee County. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to, what, 50% increase almost as far as Yeah, 40 some percent. Which, which is like unheard of. I've never... No, no it's 60, 60. Yeah. Oh, it's 60, well, that's right. Yes. Yeah, it's... Well, I was using 50% just to be safe. But, I mean, that's a lot of an increase mm -hmm. for a garbage rate, even if they haven't been increased for a while. But typically, they're increased each year based on inflation. So to say that you're going all the way back to the original rate is not Isn't, fair. Right, right. But the way I was looking at it, it's like, all right, so, you know, Mr. Clay, county attorney, recommends, well, we can't increase the impact fees until you have a new county administrator, which, again, doesn't make sense because – you have a consultant you have a study, that you have a basically consultant says and you have a board that, that you need yeah. to do this. You're at a board. You make the decision. And a county administrator is not an expert in impact fees at all. So the board should be not, you know, kind of having its tail wagged by, you know, it's it. So and then the uh, facility investment fees came up for utilities not too long ago. Mm -hmm. And so utility fit investment fees are another development type of fee. And the board refused to listen to the consultant saying, by the way, you need to make sure these fees get increased to support the infrastructure you need for growth. And there was not one county, well, the county commissioners did not support increasing the facility investment fees. So if you don't support increasing facility investment fees and impact fees, then the burden comes back, back on to, the to taxpayer. all the taxpayers. You know, you, it's going to be this invisible tax one day, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you're going to wonder why you're paying more money for this or that, or your property taxes can't cover the cost of doing business. So here you have paid consultants, just like you have paid staff. In this case, they were really experts. Actual experts, yeah. You know, not the, like the one for right. the buffers. And they're telling you to be financially stable for the growth that you need for utilities, increase these fees. No, we don't want to do that, commissioners say. Same thing with the impact fees. I mean, a commissioner could have said, with all due respect, county attorney, this is our decision. You know, it's a policy decision, and it's something that we give direction to the county administrator, not the not other vice way versa, around. right? And so they should have had those two fees raised this year. And from what I understand, if they don't do the impact fee relatively soon, it, it's a delay of maybe another year or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. because then it won't be the latest and best information what a statute has. I think I think it's December. Yeah. I think after December, they, they have to at least update it, which comes again. Yeah. Who pays for the update? Which yep. is tens of thousands of dollars just to update it. And if you have an acting county administrator, he's a county administrator. Right, right. So he makes the decision. He's making decisions on all kinds yeah. of other things, including yeah. hiring you know, top-level staff. Yeah. You would so, think so you're not stopping that from happening. So it, it, But the big observation I had is like, it's okay for you to you know, increase taxes on all the citizenry out there. But when it comes to raising a fee that's proven, that's needed to sustain growth, since it's impacting your developers that get you in office, you're saying no to that. Well, we're conservative Republicans, Joe. We're always against fees. Well. Fees are taxes. Yeah. Unless unless we're adding it like a franchise fee or something onto your utility or something, or, then we're fine with or it. Or right? we're going to charge you a fee to park in a parking garage that you don't want out there that we're going to build anyways. Right, right. That, yeah, that fee is okay. Yeah, it's free parking right now. So now people are going to have to pay how many dollars? $15 minimum? I don't it's, remember what it was. It's but, a lot. But, but uh, Mayor, Mayor Titsworth, or, or actually I think it was uh, the city the, attorney for Holmes Beach spoke at the... Uh, TDC? No, at the work session okay. that we had. A, with on the parking garages yeah, yeah, yeah. and she actually said that there were some problems here with this master plan especially in that i guess the charter for holmes beach does not allow like you cannot charge for parking at all within the city of holmes beach she's like so i don't know how you're gonna really do what you want to do in that parking garage. well, well i guess we'll have to wait till the next legislative session yeah, and we'll just say, have will robinson will, will scratch it out right yeah you can't object to the county charging a fee but i mean how 
idiotic it is that you would take away parking for two years while you build this right. massive structure. That's only going to, they're playing with the numbers now, but it's only really going to double the amount of parking spots. Well, I, I told you that when I did the math on right. it. There's no physical way you they, get could to 12. Do, they could do 12. So now they just changed the math and said, well, there's only 300 spots. And the chief of police is like, we count them. There's 400 and I think he said it's 35 been, yeah. or something. So the chief of police is counting more spots right. in the county. Right. Well, because the county's now having to backtrack on the week. We can only get nine, yeah. not 12. So, so let's just make this yeah. starting number. And let's not forget that when, when this whole freaking out about lack of parking spaces argument was going on, the county was doing work on a lot of parking down at the Coquina end. Oh, well, yeah. That was not available for parking. Hundreds of right. spaces for a long time. And they ultimately went with a contractor instead of their regular contractor who failed and messed it up i understand yeah. and then they had to go back which delayed the whole thing so while kevin was out there screaming about how holmes beach isn't allowing parking they had their own debacle on a bunch yeah, of right. hundred spaces down on coquina beach and they went and shut down that woman's beach market over it which yeah. by the way where's that that hasn't nope. even come oh. back yet I oh, mean, oh they, they got a plan for that <laughs> and that's the rest of the story <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap it up right there. This has been another episode of the Bradenton Times podcast. Join us for more on our Sunday edition at www.thebradentontimes.com. Fact-based news and analysis without an agenda.